Noi mai, haere mai, ki tēnei hōtaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. Annual migration records have hit new heights, almost nudging the migration mark in New Zealand of 100,000. What does that mean for New Zealand? Prisoners with unstable housing are nearly five times more likely to be re-imprisoned within their first year of release. And what does our criminologist today make of act David Seymour's comment this afternoon that more people should be in prison. After three years, the Goodbye COVID Tracer app, it's been nice knowing you're with us for three years, but I doubt anyone will forget the error of scanning in and an item in The Guardian. What's more romantic than asking the person of your dreams to spend the rest of their life with you? Doing it in front of an audience, apparently, on your knees before an NPC match? Or in the middle of a live theatre, the rise of the public marriage proposal, which got me thinking, how did you propose? Or how were you proposed to? I'd love to hear your story for the panel this afternoon. Text me 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me today, Nwanthis Marakone, entrepreneur, board director, former national candidate, Nwanthis Kiora. Great to have you back here. Kiora Wallace, lovely to be back and great to see you. It's good to see you, seems like years. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. It uh, also with us, Professor of Chemistry at Auckland University of Technology, Alan Blackman. Kiora, Alan. Kiora Wallace. Quick question for you. Oh. If you pour a handful of salt into a full <laughs> glass of water, the water level will actually go down rather than over overflowing the glass. Mm-hmm. True or false? Yeah, true. True. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I could explain, but it would take a while. Okay. Maybe we'll, we, we'll, we'll explain toward the end of the show, okay? Yeah, if, why not? If why you not? want to know how... Stay listening, people. If you want to know, stay listening. Well done, Alan. Thank you. Love the fun. <laughs> now, a big reminder recently that across the Tasman, there are some pretty deadly critters with an Australian man recently killed trying to save a friend from a snake. A selfless 69-year-old stepped in to help a friend who had a snake wrapped around his leg. He got the snake off but got bitten. Snake bite in Australia are fairly common with around 3,000 occurring naturally, annually rather. With us is Stu from Sunshine Coast Snake Catchers. Welcome, Stu. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you on. Um, It's a tragic story, this one, Stu, but a reminder that a death by snake is actually relatively rare. Yes, it's very, very rare. Like, you've got more... More chance of um, obviously dying from get falling off a horse or getting hit by a uh, vending machine. There's all lists of things that happen way more often than snake bites. But um, yeah, just from time to time, obviously tragic events can occur. Just on this particular uh, story, uh, obviously the person didn't get help in time. If you get bitten, do you have to seek help extremely quickly? You do. So it's a very, it's a hard one for me to comment on yep. because obviously I'll, but in my professional opinion, you know, it sounds like he's been bitten on the chest, which is not a good scenario at all because it's obviously hard to, uh, you know, put a pressure bandage around the chest and, and sort of stem the flow of the venom. But yeah, once again, we don't know exactly what happened. Um, obviously, yeah. it's been noted in the media that a, a brown snake curled around a leg, which, to be honest, I've never seen that occur ever. Um, so I'm not sure 
what's going on. But obviously, yeah, this this gentleman has, has tried to intervene and either help his mate or think he's sort of helping his mate, trying to get the snake away or whatever's going down. But and unfortunately, it's resulted in a in a bite. So, uh, Stu, look, we've got a panel with us. Uh, let's bring them, and they might have a question or something. And Anthe. Thank you, Wallace. Stu, so sorry to hear about this. Um, just super curious. I mean, you talked about the chest as well. Um, is this such a is it a such a common occurrence? And is that area within the body and not being able to remedy somebody as well from a snake bite such a common occurrence? Or, yeah, what's been done previously? Do you know? Yeah, so majority of people bitten, and there's hundreds of people bitten mm. survive. So I think yeah, like right. it's ninety ninety nine percent or something like that. But it all comes down to what you do in that first five or ten minutes. Now, I'm not sure what happened on this occasion, but if there was panic, if a, this gentleman I think was a bit older too, I think he was maybe in his late 50s or 60s, um, all these sort of factors are going to affect the end result. Um, now, you know, if, if I was to get bitten on my job, you know, I'd obviously apply a pressure bandage straight away mm-hmm. to the bitten limb, and I'd be pretty darn certain that I'm going to survive. Um just because, you know, if I do the correct thing straight away, stay calm and obviously call an ambulance, there's a very, very good chance that you're going to be okay. Obviously, each individual reacts differently because, you know, we're all different. We all, you know, some people can potentially die from a bee sting. Other people get a little bit itchy and that's about it. Yeah, you know? fair so point, yes. It, it, um, it's just one of those things where you just never know what's going to happen. And that's why it's so important that you do the appropriate first aid, even if it's like a mildly venomous snake, because I've seen my colleagues, like, a, for instance, a yellow-faced whip snake, which is nothing like a brown snake. Um, in fact, I've been bitten and barely did anything to me, but I've had wow. colleagues be quite ill for two weeks from a whip Good, snake. Goodness. So, wow. Yeah, Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> Stu, I mean, your country is full of things that are kill you as soon as look at you. Um, is, is, <laughs> well, <laughs> Don't be rude to our I'm, Australian I'm guests. I'm just telling the Don't truth. Don't be rude, Ellen. <laughs> is there any such thing... This is a serious question. Is there any such thing as a benign snake over there? Are there non-venomous snakes in Australia? Majority of the snakes we catch, about 50% of our work is carpet pythons, which are completely harmless and non-venomous. And all snakes, they want nothing to do with you. So there's obviously these myths going around that snakes are out there to catch and kill us and chase us, and and especially bloody New Zealanders across the road. Every time, I swear the, I swear my New Zealand customers, which there's plenty of them, I can tell as soon as they answer the phone, they're like, come and come and rescue me from this evil snake, and I'm like, all right, just because you have no snakes in your home country doesn't mean everything's out to kill you. (laughs) But um, Crack up, Stu. Um, it's uh, lovely to have our Australian uh, Tasman brothers and sisters on the show, as always. I want to ask, though, um, what does a normal day look like for you, Stu? Okay, so for instance, today, what, it's one fifty in the afternoon. Um, we've already had probably 15 to 20 phone calls. Um, wow. It's been, sure. yeah, it's been quite quite busy day. Um my bloody two media managers, who won't be listening, obviously, but they called in sick, the two young blokes, so I'm um, not happy about that. So it's just me and, uh, me and Dan running the show today. Oh, Stu and Dan, blokes. there we anyway, go. Stu and Dan running the show. Dan actually just, he just caught another another snake before. But yeah, so we're essentially like in and out of the office, wherever the jobs come in, we cover quite a large area, so we've got a a decent-sized team of, of full-time catchers plus a few subcontractors who help out when we um, when we get stuck. Can I just ask, how did you even get yeah. into this? <laughs> like, yeah. did you just, yeah. was this something that you sort of thought about as you were growing up? Or, like, how did you fall into this? 
It's clearly a really it, yeah, niche I, business. It is, and it's not something I thought I was going to ever do. Like I, I obviously went to high school like everybody. I went to uni and did zoology and marine biology and always had an interest in reptiles. It was more lizards um, that I had as pets. But then I went and actually worked at Australia Zoo for seven years. Um, and probably within a couple of years of working at the zoo, I found out that you can do a bit of snake catching, and it was kind of just a hobby initially. Um, wow. Sort of Go you. Up in the market, and then, um, yeah, sort of did it full time, and now it's turned into a hectic business, and we've got, you know, TV shows and all sorts of things happening. So it's, um, it's crazy how it's evolved. Finally, before, Stu, for, 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 if, uh, for the New Zealanders who are thinking of migrating to Australia... <laughs> If I'm in Melbourne and I see a deadly brown snake uh, behind the curtains, apparently that happens, what do I do? Well, for our New Zealand guests, the snakes are actually waiting at the air. Customs customs just pick you out and just release them in front of you. But uh, no, no, we... um, I think um, the problem with the whole social media... The problem with the whole social media stuff <laughs> and all that good stuff is people think that this sort of thing happens every day where there's a snake, you know, up in a bonnet or in a kid's bed or something like that. Though The ones that we post is just the best stuff. A lot of our jobs are just snakes curled up outside, you know what I mean? But we do get the odd one, yeah, where there's a brown snake behind the curtains or, you know, a brown snake on a kitchen bench or, you know, all the exciting and cool ones. But majority of our work is yeah. just snakes kind of... Stupid. It's a pleasure to have you on. So the message no really in all of this is New Zealanders, don't migrate to Australia. Stay here. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, st- probably stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Stu, uh, from the Sunshine Coast Snake Catchers there. <laughs> uh, not keen on us going to there, uh, which ties in very well to our first story um, going up there. Um, by the way, your proposals are rolling. How, uh, how, how did you propose? Uh, my partner rolled over in bed about 11.30 at night and said, so what do you reckon then? 33, 33 years later, we're still married, uh, says Fiona. All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Dewanthi, take it away. Thank you, Wallace. So um, for me, it's been a bit of reflection looking at uh, the election coming up. Um, Three years ago this time, I was a candidate, and I think just watching the news, hearing the policy come through, um, meeting some of our own local you know, candidates coming door knocking, um, it's been quite, um, I guess, the moment where I've gone, there's a lot happening for New Zealand. There's a lot of challenges ahead, I think, for Aotearoa, and the key thing will be, um, what does that what is pre-election and post-election then going to look like and what's that impact going to look like? But I have deep appreciation, and I guess that's been my reflection on those candidates and on those teams across all different parties who are out there. Relentless, isn't hard. it? It's Campaigning, relentless. yeah. Absolutely. And you, you've seen it. I've seen you've it been firsthand. There. I know what it's like. And also their families, you know, and their spouses and everyone else that's, that's a part of yeah. the whole process and the challenges that, you know, and the... the yeah, the, the the feelings and the ups and downs. So does family life just go on hold? It kind of does. It it literally does. It pauses, and and everyone sort of centres around you, and you feel you know somewhat selfish about it at times. But that campaigning is relentless, and so just been reflecting on that and thinking about it. And, oh, kia ora. Yeah, very good, Nwanthi. All right, um, uh, Alan Blackman, I've been 
thinking. Right. So I was driving into work this morning, listening to national radio, as one always does, and um, there was a story about possible life being found, extraterrestrial life. So my ears sort of pricked up. That was on the RNZ site. It was indeed on the RNZ site. It was on Morning Report this morning, and it was originally from the Beeb. And um, so I checked it out online when I got into work. And um, so the Beeb said, tantalizing sign of possible life on a faraway world. Uh, Planet K218b, uh, that could have come out of Star Trek, probably. Um, They reckon the James Webb Space Telescope may have detected a molecule called dimethyl sulfide. On Earth, at least, this is only produced by phytoplankton by life. Okay. Right. As a scientist, I should be thrilled about this, but I'm not because um, this would never get published in a reputable scientific journal. We're using the words may and tantalizing and possibly. And all that this is going to do is get people's hopes up for the fact that they have detected a molecule that might be a sign of life. No, they haven't actually be, detected that molecule. there must be some reason why they uh, said it, announced well, it. Well, and that's, that's what I am so amazed about. I, I just don't get this. So these are people from Cambridge, okay, so they're no idiots or anything like that. But they haven't, and they admit themselves, they haven't actually got proof of the detection of this particular molecule. They say they might have detected it, but as usual... Proof? Do you need proof yes. to write an article? It's just a wait and see, isn't it? Oh, Oh, no, 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 you do. You absolutely do. This would not get into a journal. So you, they, they say that, oh, yes, more work is needed. But in science, more work's always needed. But <laughs> science shouldn't be carried out through the media. This is my take-home point. Don't get excited, folks. This is not the sign of extraterrestrial life. Not yet. Who knows? One uh-huh. day it might be. But at the moment, I just think it's not a great look. Dishonest science people. communication, you're saying? Oh, boy, it's dishonest is a, is wow. a big word, Wallace. Okay. It's a big word. All right. Uh, that's wonderful. I'd be interested to hear what uh, 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 listeners think on that. And on that, <laughs> one lovely proposal. She was driving. In the Titirangi roundabout, I said, ah. I think we should get married. She stopped but just briefly, we had met two weeks prior. We married a couple of weeks later, 16 years ago. We're still here. Wow. Oh, wow. Your proposals, 425. Stay listening. <laughs> Alan Blackman, Noanthi Samara Cohen on today's panel.